Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here this morning. Former OU quarterback and U.S. Congressman J.C. Watts, who is a friend of ours, told this story uh, many years ago. Matter of fact, he was here when we uh, broke ground for this campus. And he said, I believe it was on an airplane. He said, I was sitting in the seat. And he said, there was a young girl behind me and she began to look at me. And of course, he is uh, black. And he said, she reached out and took my hand around the seat and began to rub it. And then she began to sing this song. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. Jesus loves the children of the world. And uh, he said it was kind of her expression to say, you're black and I'm white and that's okay. You know, the Bible deals with all kinds of relationships. We've talked about... uh, the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife, but it's interesting that all types of relationships are spoken about in the Word of God. Um, The guidance of how we should relate to those who are interacting with us on a daily basis, um, older, younger, all of in between. Let me just give you a little rundown here of how this... uh, how this really is dynamically uh, expressed in the Word of God. Uh, As Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, and treat the older men as your elders and as your fathers. Treat the older women like mothers, interact with the younger men like brothers, treat the younger women like sisters, and women who are widows should be honored. So how many of you believe our world would be better if we just had heeded the advice of, of the Apostle Paul in the Word of God? Then we also know that there's the addressing of employee-employer relationships, uh, business relationships. Uh, The Bible says employees should honor their employers. Whatever you do, uh, whatever you work at, do it with all your heart, just as you were working for the Lord. Be fair, be honest, be diligent, don't be lazy. Hard work brings profit. Don't oppress a hired worker. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. How many of you know those are all good things? And the Bible deals with that. He, uh, Paul says the older women should be examples to the younger women. And as far as those who are in leadership positions, whether it's the church, a city, a state, or a nation, there are right ways we should relate to those who are in leadership positions. Number one, he said we should honor them, we should respect them, even though we don't agree with them. We should still honor and respect them, and we should pray for them. So these are all things that we know about relationships, not just husband and wife relationships. The Associated Press came out with an article recently, and it says Americans are more divided than ever, gridlocked over social issues, a race, gender, or the economy. It's no longer just Republican versus Democrat or liberal versus conservatives. It's a 1% versus the 99%, rural versus urban, white men against the world, climate doubters clash with believers, bathrooms have become battlefields, borders are battle lines, sex, race, faith, ethnicity, the melting pot seems to be boiling over. And that's the world we live in, and you know that. And you see it on the news almost every day. 
When I left here Wednesday, I went home and got part of the, the debate that was on Wednesday night. Did anybody see part of the debate Wednesday night? I'm sorry if you saw that. Um, you know, one of the things that we're into in our world, it's not just Republican versus Democrat or uh, Democrats versus Republicans. How many of you know it's Democrat versus Democrat and Republicans versus Republicans and, and, and conservatives versus liberals? And it's a division over ideas and policies and stands and systems and philosophies, workers versus the, the drones and the lazy of our society, right and wrong, depending on your version of what's right and your version of what's wrong, right? And these young people are going to grow up in this world. And it's something that they can't avoid, they're going to face. And when you look at some of the, the hot button issues of our world, you see abortion's not right because you're a Democrat and it's not wrong because you're a Republican. It's wrong because it's morally wrong. So, you know, we, we've categorized things in our world today. Um, socialism is not right because you're a Democrat. It's not wrong because you're a Republican. It's just wrong because it's wrong. It's never worked in any country and it's never worked and never will work. So you just have to come to the conclusion that there's different ideas and different debates about some of these, uh, some of these issues. I, uh, I think building a bridge between the factions is going to be a monumental task. What do you think? I think we're right in the middle of it. And a divided world's nothing new. I mean, ever since a man was on the earth, we, we've had divisions. Uh, rich versus poor, master versus slave, educated, uneducated. We're divided by race, religion, ethnicity, heritage, by family, tribe, color, territory. I mean, this has gone on forever. And I don't think it'll ever be solved in your lifetime. And I don't think it's ever gonna be solved in my lifetime. I hope it gets better. And Jesus even had to address some of these issues, and certainly he did. Uh, if you have Luke, if you'd like to turn there in chapter 10, uh, Jesus is confronted by a lawyer. Now, we're not talking about a lawyer like we're looking at someone today, an attorney, but this is someone very skilled in the law. And he comes to Jesus, and he begins to say, you know, what do we need to do to be saved? And he says, what do we need to do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? How do you interpret it? And Jesus reduced it down to this. He said that we ought to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So he took every law, and there was a lot of them, hundreds of them, and he reduced it down to really two things. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the question that the lawyer posed to him. Who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And so instead of Jesus just giving a one-line answer, he told a story. He told a parable. And you know the parable. He said there was a man going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way traveling, he fell among carjackers or thieves. And there the thief uh, robbed him and beat him up on the way, threw him in the ditch along the side. And here he is bleeding. He's bruised. He, he's been stripped of his good clothing, his money. And there he is lying there wounded and hurt. And Jesus said, and then all of a sudden, a priest was going down the same road, and he passed down the road, and he looks over there, and he sees the man in the ditch, bleeding, wounded, stripped, 
And he said he walked on the other side of the road. He didn't want to get involved. And then later, not only did the priest walk down the same road, a Levite came to the place and saw him, and he also passed by on the other side. And then Jesus inserts someone in the story. And the man he inserts in the story is a Samaritan. Now, please understand, if you don't know the culture of the time, Samaritans are hated by the Jews. They're considered a mongrel breed. They had intermarried between the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Northern Conquest, and, and they had you know, opted out some of the strict Jewish worship, and there along that northern, northern border of Israel, there was this interbred, if you will, a mongrel race, that's the way they saw them, as dogs. And this Samaritan comes by, and he sees the man in the ditch, bleeding, wounded, stripped of his clothes, and guess what he does? You would think the priest would have helped. You would thought the, the Levite would have helped because they're the religious people. They're the holy people. They're the godly people. But the hero of the story is not the religious factors. And it's not that, that faction that we think should have been there. It's the Samaritan that everybody hated. So he gets down in the ditch he, he dresses the man, he, he pours in the oil and the wine, puts him on his beast of burden, takes him to Holiday Inn, gives him two, two days wages, and says, put him up, I'll pay the bill, I'll come back, make sure he's fed, and we're, we're looking for him to get better. And so then Jesus turns around to the lawyer, he says, now who's the neighbor? He didn't say this, was it the priest? no. Was it the Levite? No. Was it the Samaritan? And you know what? Jesus put him in the position that he had to say the Samaritan was the neighbor. So you know what he's trying to do? He said, listen, we need to bridge the gap here. You know, we, we're not all looking the same. We're not the same. We don't have sometimes the same mentality or, or ideology. And then Jesus said to the lawyer, he says, you go and do likewise. And so when you have a culture of exclusion and you have a culture of preference, it can create a culture of pride and preference and indifference. So what's the answer? Well, I think the answer is here's something that's pretty obvious, that we're going to have to live in this culture. We're going to have to embrace this culture in the fact that here are the issues. So wh what do we look at? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul's writing, this is verse number 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. What does Paul mean, the middle wall of partition? Now for us, that may not mean something, but in that culture, they understood it perfectly. You see, if you came to worship on any day, from the time of Moses until the time that Paul is writing this, in that culture, if you came to worship, you could only come to worship so close as dependent on who you were. So, Think about this. If you were a Gentile, if you were what they considered a heathen, even though you might want to worship, you could only get so close. There was a court of Gentiles. You could come this close, but that's as far as you could go. Now, if you were a Jewish woman, you could pass the Gentiles and come in just a little bit closer. But that's as far as you could go. 
But if you were a Jewish man, then you could come past the Gentiles and past the women, and you could come just a little bit closer. And in each place, there was a partition or a place you could not breach or you could not get past. It's not the glass ceiling, it was the glass wall, if you will. But if you were a Jewish man, you could get past the Gentiles, past the heathen, past the women. But if you were a priest, you'd go past the Gentiles, past the women, past the men, and you could come just a little bit closer. But if you were the high priest, once a year, you could pass everybody, and you could step into the Holy of Holies, and you could come just a little closer, and the closest you could get under that system was the high priest coming in once a year into the Holy of Holies. Now here comes Paul, and he says, but those walls of partition have now tumbled down. And it doesn't make any difference if you're a Gentile or a woman or a man or a priest or a high priest. We can boldly come in to the throne of mercy and grace. But even today, we still have some of those walls of partition. You know, uh, this as far as you can go, this as far as you can go. So the temple had those walls. And I think those walls kind of schooled us of what God was going to do. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hey, that sounds great, doesn't it? Hey, we're all one. Well, everybody doesn't see that. And here's a question. How how does that happen? I think here's the answer. Look with me at Colossians chapter 3. So if that's true, if we're coming together to be one in Christ Jesus, I think we have to understand how that happens. Verse 10, and having put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Do you know we're all created in the image of God? Everybody, according to scripture, created the image of God. Uh, Here Adam is, created in the image of God. Eve came out of the side of Adam. And then every person born after that is in the image of God. You know, our our founders had had it right, for all men are created equal. Now, we're still trying to get that right in America, but all men were created equal. You see, I heard Ravi Zacharias say this recently, and I thought it was so good. Everyone is created equal. We have equal equal, uh, um, standing before God. But every idea is not equal. Every religion is not equal. Every lifestyle is not equal. Come on now. Every position people have is not equal. The person's equal, but how they live, what they do, what they believe is not equal. But the person is equal. So if that is true, then how do we say we're one in Christ? Well, Colossians 3.10 tells us we're putting on the new man that's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. So so here's the thing. He says Jesus levels the playing field. The cross levels the playing field. If you're a barbarian, you step on the same ground. If you're a woman, same ground. 
If you're a Gentile, same ground. Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised. Let's expand it a little bit, not trying to re re rewrite the Bible here. Whether you're rich, you're poor, you're educated, uneducated. How many of you know when you're in Christ, we are all standing at the same level ground? And that's wonderful. And that's great. And that's exactly what the Word of God is saying. So if I take these verses, so if you and I are in Christ, we are not viewed only as Jews or Greeks or Gentiles or slave or free, men, women, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarians, Scythians. But notice this, he says, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. We're all together in Christ Jesus. Now, in Romans chapter 10, verse 12, Paul addresses this again. He says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. So if you call upon him and I call upon him, the riches of his grace is available to you and me, right? Whether you're black, white, Latino, whether you're Asian, whether you have a lot of money, no money, you're educated, uneducated, you know, the, the difference here is not the distinguishing factor of ethnicity. The distinguishing factor is, are you going to call on the name of the Lord? He says, if you do, those riches are available to you and they're available to me. Now, let me have your undivided attention here just for a moment. You may not agree with me, but just admire my God for addressing it this morning, Okay. The government's not going to solve this problem. The government's not going to solve this problem. Um, not going to solve our divisions, not going to solve uh, the, the things that we're facing. The government can help or hurt, um, but will never fully resolve our issues. The NAACP or the Democrats or the Republicans the ERA, Southern Poverty Law Center, National Organization for Women, America's Voice, uh, AARP, none of them are going to solve all these issues. Many of these organizations do good work, but they're not going to solve all of our relationship issues. The solution on this earth is not these organizations, and it's not the government. Not saying these are bad things, I'm just saying they're not going to solve it. It was meant to be solved, it was meant to be embraced, it was meant to be challenged by the church of Jesus Christ. You see, as we read these verses here, none of these organizations were in play when Paul penned this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. None of these things are in play here to solve our relationship issues. The solution on this earth is through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why we preach the cross. That, that's why Paul said, I know nothing but Christ and him crucified. I, I'm not going to attain to any great thing or any great theology above that. And how many of you know that's great theology, Christ and him crucified? That we, we see this coming together, the, the streams of different places and, and, and different ethnicity and, and different backgrounds and different colors, the, the streams coming together, whether it's the Ethiopian that has come to Jerusalem to worship, or the Samaritans when Philip goes and preaches a revival, 
Or, or whether it's Peter going to the house of Cornelius, the Italian centurion. You, you see what we have after the cross? You see a stream coming from here and here and here and here, and they're diverging at the same place. The divergence is not in government. It's not in an organization. The divergence is the cross of Christ. And when they come together, there's still some issues. Here you have this Italian Roman getting saved. And now Peter has to answer for it. <laughs> He has to say, now listen, I know you don't know, you don't like this, you don't believe this, but I'm going to tell you, he got the Holy Ghost just like I got the Holy Ghost. He came to Jesus just like you came to Jesus. He accepted the Lord just like you accepted the Lord. So we're assuming, we're believing the Holy Ghost makes no difference between them and us. Hallelujah. See, there's divergent streams coming together. The Ethiopian, he didn't know. I mean, he's locked in the old covenant. He's locked in the Old Testament. But God loved him enough to say, hey, Philip, I want you to leave this revival up here in Samaria, and I want you to go out here to Podunk Center, and I want you to stand by the road. Picture in your mind, here Philip is. He's left a great revival. People getting healed, demons cast out, cities coming to the Lord. People being baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. The apostles are showing up. And the Lord says, leave. What? Leave? He says, go out here to this desert place. And here he is standing by an old dusty road. No one there. And all of a sudden in the, in the far corners of his view, there's a dust cloud starting to rise on this old dusty road. And there's a little entourage. And in this group traveling back down to the southeast is an Ethiopian eunuch of the queen of Ethiopia. And he has a scroll. He, he has it unrolled and he's reading. And the Bible tells us where he's reading. He's reading in Isaiah. And as he passes by, Philip says, Hey, you understand what you're reading? And he says, How can I unless somebody shows me? Oh, Philip got up in the chariot. The Bible says he began to preach Christ out of Isaiah. He preached Christ to him. That Ethiopian. Evidently, Philip talked to him about baptism. He said, what hinders me to be baptized? He said, if you believe, if you believe with all your heart, here's water, let's go down and let's do some baptizing here. And do you know what? History tells us Years later, there's a huge Christian community in Ethiopia. Let me ask you a question. Where do you think that came from? I think it came from a, a guy who had an encounter with Philip on an old dusty road that got back home and said, let me tell you what happened to me. I met Jesus. And you know what happens? There's these convergent streams of Italians and Scythians and Ethiopians and Samaritans and they're all converging at one central place and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. 
They, they had to lay down their ethnicity, their color, their creeds, their former beliefs, and they had to come to the level playing field. This is who I belong to. This is who created me. I am called by God, and I take all this other stuff and lay it aside, and I become one with you and you and you and you because of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Wow. To me, that's exciting. Hmm. You see, is it possible that through Christ and what he's done and in his church, our divisions become secondary and even non-existent? Uh, can we see, even here at Ray of Hope, groups come together that's diverse but very unified? How I many of you know God loves diversity? Oh, he loves diversity. Matter of fact, if I go out in my backyard and I look at the birds who come around my backyard, how many of you know they're very diverse? Some are red, some are blue, some are purple, some are black, all kind of different birds. If I go out into the, to the woods of the pasture, there's all kind of diverse different plants, and bugs, trees, bushes. God loves diversity, but he hates division. You see, diversity is godly, division is devilish. And let me tell you who comes to divide. I know who comes to divide. You know who comes to divide. The Bible says Satan comes to divide. Why? He knows a house divided cannot stand. And so why do we have all these divisions? Well, I don't like this group and this group and this group. Well, listen, we shouldn't like the, the differences because of the person, maybe the lifestyle, maybe the ideology. It could be this. We do have questions. But how many of you know God loves diversity, but he really hates division? And so, could we see a wonderful representation every time we come together of a wonderful diversity of people? And I believe we can. Matter of fact, we're already seeing that, aren't we? How many of you would like to see this wonderful representation of men and women, young and old? Isn't it funny that even today, some of the new emergent churches don't have much of a Affiliation with older people? I'm going to tell you. It's like we're looking for the young, hip people. We're looking for, you know, those who are, you know, 35 and under. Well, I guess they're not looking for me. I want to tell you, Jesus is looking for everybody. Matter of fact, we, we were baptized on Sunday night from uh, the, the old to the young and the young and the old. And I thought this is so wonderful. Whether you're old or you're young, you need Jesus. So could it be that the black, the white, the Hispanic, the Asian, the, the Native American, which we see every Sunday here, isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that the way Jesus wants it? And for some of us, Heinz 57? But that's okay. Because God loves us all. And he wants us to be together. Now, let me kind of wrap this up because I think there is a direction that the Lord is going here. And I believe he's saying from, from creation to the end of time, the way that I want this is for all of my diverse creation to be one in me. You against this one and you against this one and this one against this, that, that's not cool with God. Obviously, we have to make a stand. Obviously, we have to believe the truth. 
but we don't purposely divide, and hopefully the Word of God will unify. Let me tell you where this begins to sum up. If you have your Bible, Revelation chapter 5, and most of you know Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And um, chapter 5, John, the revelator, or the one who's receiving the revelation, he gets a glimpse of the world beyond this world. In chapter 5, verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Now, who's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus. How many of you know he's worthy? You're worthy to take the book and open the seals. You're the lamb that was slain. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Now, notice who's ransomed. From every tribe, language, people, and nation. Say that with me. From every tribe, language, people, nation. You know what he's saying? I'm looking at the end of this. I'm getting a glimpse of how this is going to be at the end. And he says, the way this is going to be, this is going to be people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Now, in chapter 7, he goes a little bit further in verse number 9. Because now the scene is a great multitude, and this is what I really love. This is before the throne. How many of you know, one day, you're going to be before the throne of Almighty God? Isn't that wonderful? You and I are going to be in that heavenly throng, in that multitude, before the throne of God. Now, chapter 5 says we're going to be singing. Now, I'm looking forward to that because I'm not a very good singer. But I'm going to tell you, when I get there, I'm going to be a great singer. And when we get there, I'm very thankful that you're going to be a great singer. Because I sat by some of you, and you've got a ways to go. But I'm going to tell you something, that there's going to be a day we're together. Look at this, verse 9. And after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Do you know what? I don't know how many nations there are in the world. Some are not here anymore. Some are gone. They've risen. They've fallen. But according to this scripture, according to this scripture, God has so much grace and mercy, there's going to be somebody even if it's just one, I don't know. There's going to be somebody from every nation in the world, every tribe, all people groups, languages, standing before the throne of God. You know what that says to me? God is saying, my grace is reaching out to all kinds of people. My love is reaching out to all kinds of people. Now, Martin Luther King said this years ago. He said 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most divided time in America. How many know that shouldn't be that way? Because at the cross, in Jesus Christ, according to Scripture, he has made us all what? One. He's made us all one. Booker T. Washington said you can't hold a man down without staying down with him. If you're going to hold him down, you've got to be down there with him. 
How many of you know we shouldn't be holding people up? Uh, holding them down, we ought to be lifting them up. You know, when I come to church, I got enough issues out there. I don't need any more issues in here. I, I got enough depressing things out there. I don't need any more depressing things in here. I mean, I don't need somebody to just sing that, oh, I don't know if we're going to make it hold the fort. Maybe Jesus will show up. I, I kind of need a little encouragement, don't you? I, I, I need to come in here and get lifted up because I got a Monday tomorrow. And you got a Tuesday and you got a Wednesday and you're facing some things out there. So what are we doing? We're coming in here, number one, to lift up Jesus. But he said if we lift him up, guess what would happen? He would just bring everybody to him. If I lift him up, he said, I'll draw all men to me. Now, so where are we lifting him? Up. So if he's going to draw all men to him, where are we going? We're going up. We've been made to be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So as we come together to lift him up, then everybody else is what being lifted with him. <laughs> I'm about to make myself happy. So it makes no difference if you're Hispanic or black or white, if you're Native American. Whether you're rich, poor, educated, uneducated, circumcised, uncircumcised, if you're a heathen or a Jew, if you're a man or a woman, how many of you know we all need to be lifted up? And that's exciting. Because it's the way of God. It's the way that he says, I want this to be in the end. So if we see this, Revelation 7, 9, if he says all tribes, people from every nation, Languages are before the throne. Guess where that ought to start? It shouldn't start in heaven. It should start right now on this earth. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. That's powerful. So we're not going to wait till we get to heaven to start this. How many of you know? On earth as it is in heaven. Stand with me this morning. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.